Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you and a good attendance here today. Ed, I'm proud of you, man. You made it. A hundred years. It's hard for me to comprehend living that long, quite frankly. I couldn't comprehend years ago being 60. <laughs> I can't imagine a hundred. But I tell you, that's great. It's not everybody that can do that. We've had a few here, so if you really want to live to be a, a, a ripe old life, you want to be a member here. So. <laughs> that's my goal. All righty. Before we get into the message today, I want to mention to you, if you're a visiting with us, you're a guest, you've not filled out one of these cards, if you would do so, please let us know so that we can have a record of your visit with us and that I can drop you a note uh, during the week and avail myself to you in whatever way I possibly can. Uh, you can either take it to the Welcome Center for a gift or you can put it in one of the mailboxes that are around the foyer. All righty? I will be beginning a series on the seven I am's of Jesus today. I am absolutely excited about this series because to me, when I study it personally, it means so very much to me about the statements of Jesus. And I pray that you will see what God has done, is doing, and will do through His only begotten Son, Jesus. John 6 is where we'll be today. I'll begin reading at verse 35 through verse 40. And this is what the Bible says. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do the, my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him, shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Well, we see where Jesus said, I am. You'll notice in Exodus 3, verse 14, when Moses asked the Lord, who was telling him to go to Pharaoh and go to his people and tell them that I will deliver you through my servant Moses through the Exodus experience. Moses said, How will, who will I tell them sent me? God said, tell them I am. Yahweh, I am. So Jesus is immediately acknowledging the fact that he is God come down from on high. Didn't set well with everybody. But we want to see three things that I want to leave with you today about this account. As we go through this Situation. We recognize the fact that, that Jesus acknowledges Himself as our Savior. He saves. Jesus said, I am. He implores us to come and to believe. In verse 29, Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. 
Jesus implores us in verse 35, for he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Whoever, everyone who believes in me, not just Jews, not, not the young only, not the old only, not the poor, not the rich only, no exclusivity here. That, that invitation is extended to every person of any culture, any race, any nationality, any social standing, whatever. If you're human, you've got breath in your body, the invitation is extended to you, wherever you are, whatever you've done, or whatever you may be contemplating. Everyone who believes on Him will be saved. You see... The basic cause of, of people today is our separation from God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says to us that God has set eternity in the heart of man. God has, has taken us and has built in an emptiness, a vacuum, a void in our lives that is gnawing at our ever being. It is that, that, that vacuum that speaks to us that something is lacking in our lives. And the way that God has wired each and every one of us as His creation is to understand that that vacuum cannot be filled by all of our foolish uh, ventures out there in life that are separate from Him. Our hunger for eternity is there. It's, it's indwelt in each and every one of us. It is wired into all of our souls. But that hunger is a gift from God. For, the, for Jesus says that my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son shall be saved. Everyone. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It is my Father who gives you the true bread, Jesus says. It is this hunger, this eternal uh, recognition that, that I am meant for something beyond planet earth. That my life here is simply a uh, prologue of what's going to be yet to come. Wow. So Jesus saves, but Jesus satisfies. The Roman government used food and entertainment to keep the people happy. Their slogan in the day of Jesus was bread and circuses. Bread and circuses. I can't help but tell you that that sounds a lot like our country today. If you feed them and entertain them, they're happy as a lark. Rome knew that. The Roman Empire knew that. And so they had food and circuses being distributed to the mass, to the population, so that they would be content. You see, when we look at this story, we pick it up at the beginning of John 6. We see in John 6, at the very beginning, where Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He had loaves and fish. And among them, with these loaves and fish, he said, have the people sit down. And the Bible says that they had eaten and eaten as much as they wanted as much as they wanted 
They had all they wanted to have, and they were full, and they weren't hungry any longer, all of this, this multitude. And then, in addition to that, there were 12 baskets left over with all of these five barley loaves and two fish. 5,000 ate all they wanted to eat, and it was a miracle. So what happened? Then Jesus began to retreat because the Bible says he knew that they intended to come and make him a king by force. He withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When the evening came, his disciples came. They went across the lake, and finally the people uh, showed up the next day. They found him on the other side of the lake. What were they looking for? Well, this is a mobile McDonald's unit as far as they were concerned. Jesus was nothing more to them than a meal ticket. That's all he was. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? What difference does that make? Jesus said, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're not interested in Jesus. You're interested in that food wagon that you think that I'm pulling behind me. That's all you see from me. You see, we're after uh, what Jesus has or what he can do for us, but not Jesus himself. We really want the healing, we just don't want the healer. We want the saving, we don't want the Savior. That's who we are as people. That's a fallen mankind. And Jesus hit them right between the eyes with that truth. You saw the miracles, but you're not even interested in the miracles. You're not interested in the one that performed the miracles. What you want is another meal. You see, this satisfaction is that we go after so many things in life thinking that it's going to give us happiness. Some of us go after wealth thinking if I just had more money, you never have enough money. Some go after relationships. If I just had these particular relationships, or if I was rightly related to these particular people, my life would be good. Or others go after that corporate ladder to climb, or the positions, the ranks, and the corporation, the uh, political power sometimes whatever the case might be. Sometimes it's sexual satisfaction. Sometimes it's physical satisfaction. Sometimes it's just pure emotional gratification. Athletes go after those, those courses, if you will, those, uh, those accolades and championships and rings and banners and so forth and trophies. And when we get the trophies up on the wall and the banners are hanging and the rings are on every finger of our hands, then we sit back and say, is that all there is? There's still an emptiness. The scripture puts it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said, for they will be filled. The psalmist said in Psalms 107, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Isaiah the prophet would say in Isaiah 55, why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. Jesus said to them, You come to me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give you. They ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Don't you find that to be kind of an interesting question? Nestled in all of these miracles that Jesus was performing? I find it incredible. But this is the Jewish mindset. Unfortunately, is our mindset today. We want to know a checklist. What must I do to be saved? I mean, it's, it's got to be something more than, than this free gift of Jesus Christ and faith in Him. There's got to be a checklist. What do you want me to do? What kind of religious works do I have to do? There are plenty of denominations out there or religious pursuits that will tell you what you need to do. There will be so many steps in order to hit this particular level and get to the next level. There will be that many more steps to get to that level. What are the works that I must do, they ask? What religious things are required of me? You see, there's the whole problem. That when God created us from the beginning of mankind, God created mankind, woman, men, to have fellowship with Him. We see the beautiful thing where the Bible says God walked with Adam in the cool of the afternoon. What a beautiful picture that is in the Garden of Eden. And then man sinned. Well, from that point forward, God did everything He could to bring man back into relationship. But the enemy says, what you need is religion. If you'll focus on things and doing things, then that's all you need. You just need to be right with religion. But God said, no, you don't. You need to be rightly related through a relationship, not through religion. What are the works that I will require? Jesus responded to it. He said, the work of God is this, believe in the one He has sent. How simple is that? I see light bulbs going on in people. I've been in Eastern Europe and, and preaching, and I had two Orthodox women sitting on the front row. And when I mentioned it, when I said that, that Christianity from the standpoint of religion, cannot be defined as religion. Because religion is man's effort to reach God in his own quest, his own abilities, his own knowledge. What we do to reach God is religion. Praying, chanting, lighting candles, whatever we do, religious pursuit. But Christianity is God reaching down to sinful man through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, so that we have a relationship, not a religious quest, not a religion. And this is what Jesus is saying. The work of God is this. Believe on the one He has sent. But there are still those that are out there, those in that legalistic religious mindset that says, no, there's got to be more than that to it got to be more than that to it. There's got to be some type of religious things that I have to do in order to be at one with God the Father. No. You know Jesus. You know the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. Now that speaks to you and me, and it speaks to every other religious pursuit in this world. You cannot know God without knowing Jesus. Amen. That's it. You want to know what the religious work is? Get to know Jesus. How do you get to know Jesus? You get to know Him through the Word of God, through fellowship with other believers, through worship experiences. You get to know Him that way. Jesus is the bread that gives us life. 
Verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 48, Jesus says this way, I am the bread of life. In verse 51, he says that I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Wow. What more do you need than that? He claimed to be greater than manna. He says that it was very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. We, we pick it up, it's kind of comical almost in Exodus 16. The children of Israel in the Exodus experience were murmuring. Don't you hate murmuring? Oh, man. Something's presented, and then there's murmuring. Or you see a little group of people get off in the corner, and they're just, you know, just talking to each other, whispering, murmuring, mumbling, because faith is out the window. And if they can't believe it, it doesn't happen for them. And so they were mumbling, murmuring and about their livelihood. They said, you know, if we were back in Egypt, we'd be eating high on the hog. But now out here, we don't have much. God says, okay, Moses, give them, tell them I'm going to provide quail in the evening. I'm going to give them manna in the morning. They knew what quail were. They said, manna? It's bread. I'll give it to you every day. You'll have to go out and, and collect it every day. As an act of faithfulness, you've got to collect it every day. It cannot remain. Those that, that tried to shortcut the system, tried to store up some overnight and eat it the next day, and it wouldn't happen. The Bible says there were maggots in it, and it spoiled. So there. God says, I'm going to provide something, but this is what you've got to do to respond to that provision. You've got to go out every day and pick up the manna. Do you know what the word manna means in Hebrew? What is it? They didn't know what it was. Can you imagine Moses' wife's cookbook? 101 ways to prepare manna. And yet God provided it but that manna in those days, as Jesus was saying, was for their physical hunger. And it was temporary. It was only to satisfy that physical need. But Jesus is the manna, the bread of life that comes down from heaven that satisfies that spiritual, emotional need. He's all the, if Jesus is all that you have, Jesus is all that you need. Amen. Wow, you know... That's who he is. And so manna sustained life temporarily. But Jesus sustains life abundantly and eternally. He says, who believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Wow. This physical food satisfied their physical needs. But spiritual food satisfied our deepest need. Some of you tennis buffs remember Boris Becker he was quite the tennis player back in the 80s years ago I read a true story about tennis star Boris Becker 
He was the youngest man to ever win Wimbledon, achieving the victory in 1985 at the tender age of 17. In the late 1980s, Becker was on the mountaintop of fame, fortune, and personal achievement. Yet he was so unhappy and on the brink of suicide. Becker was quoted as saying, I had won Wimbledon twice before. Once as the youngest player, I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. Well, there may be somebody listening to this today, either here personally, physically, or someone online, and you're thinking, that's me. I have pursued life as fast as I could in so many different directions, and yet here I am still empty. I still have no peace. The only way you can find peace is to find the provider of that peace, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know peace. It's that simple. He's the bread of life. He not only sustains our life abundantly and eternally, but he gives us peace. Wow. And He also strengthens us. So, we cannot be strengthened by Christ if we rely on our own strength. He strengthened us by giving us the energy, the wisdom, and the power to do what He wants to do. Well, the Apostle Paul had a struggle with this. He had some kind of thorn in his flesh. That's a debate from, for theologians. What was the thorn? We don't know, but the Apostle Paul said, I prayed three times for that thorn to be removed. And what was God's response? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weakness. Wow. So, in addition to saving us, in addition to satisfying us, He strengthens us. So that in times of peril, in times of distress, in times of turmoil, in times of crises, God provides us the strength that we need to sustain life. Father gives, our Father gives men and women to the Son, and He gives us strength. But you know what? We must first come to Him. Verse 37 puts it this way. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever, whoever comes to me, this, this gift is given to you. But it's like at Christmas time. Somebody gives you a gift and you don't receive it or you don't open it. You really don't know what it contains. Jesus is our gift from the Father to you and me. He's been given to us. That grace that put Him into this world has been given to us. That salvation that comes by faith in Jesus has been given to us. That gift is there. Would you open it? Would you receive it? Because if you reject it, you cannot know salvation. You cannot know satisfaction. And you certainly cannot know strength or peace that comes with it. Wow. It is the Father's will that sinners will be saved 
and those who trust Jesus are secure. Verse 40 says, Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That is the security of the believer, folks. That is who we are. You're here today, and, and maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. My question to you, that if you were to die today, and you were standing in front of Jesus, why do you think he should let you into his kingdom, into his heaven? What would you say to him? If he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? How would you respond? Because I've been good. I've done a lot of religious works in my time. Is that what Jesus said? You need to do a lot of religious works. No. Or you could say, well, I, I've, I've done pretty good. I've, I'm a lot better off than my neighbor's. Well, if God graded on a curve, you'd be in good shape, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Whoever believes in his son has eternal life. You don't believe in Jesus. Your life in eternity is going to be separated from God, and I cannot imagine the torment. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Can you get this thing squared away today? Maybe you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've never followed Him in public profession of faith or baptism. This is your opportunity to do just that. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We've got a number of people of late that have found their church family here at Trinity Baptist Church. We have a place for you. Come help us to grow in Christ, and we'll try to help you do the same. And then finally, for all of us, Lord God, forgive us for trying to to put our efforts into religious works rather than a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. This is all we want, Lord, the bread of life, because he sustains us in every aspect of our life. We want the Savior, not just the saving. We want the healer, not just the healing. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we praise you for this day that you've given us, for the blessing that's ours in Jesus. Lord God, we come before you today acknowledging you, Lord, thanking you for what you're accomplishing here. There are decisions being made even now. Lord God, I pray that you'll be real and clear to each and every person. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you for the decisions that are being made. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me as we sing the hymn of invitation and I'll be here at the front to pray with you about your decisions.